DBM delivers experiences that go beyond the ordinary and suspend reality. From powerful loudspeakers to state-of-the-art projection systems, and from high-quality processors to exceptional acoustic treatment solutions and screens, DBM partners with pioneering brands, including Barco Residential, Complete Acoustic Treatment Systems, Display Technologies, Trinov, Waterfall Audio and Meridian Audio. We give you the very best high-performance products for your home cinema projects. Like you, we're committed to achieving excellence. Visit distributedbym.com to find out more. Hello everybody and welcome to The Integrated Home, the podcast that's produced by the home integration community for the home integration community. My name is Jeff Hayward and today we're going to take a close look at The Arabian, a South African project which secured top prize in the Best Media Room Level 2 category in the CDU Awards 2021 and went on to win the prestigious global accolade for Best Media Room. Welcome to The Integrated Home. AWE are proud distributors of Sony televisions and home cinema projectors, bringing you the best content from lens to living room. For more information, visit awe-europe.com. We're delighted to be talking with Nick Carapis from BNC Technology in Joburg, the company behind this fantastic project. Welcome to the show, Nick. Can you just describe who you are and give me some background on BNC? I've been involved in the industry since 2003. Worked for an integration company at that point, kind of diverse, did a little bit of, they did a little bit of cinema automation, audiovisual and that. And then uh, I was a salesperson there, didn't stay there too long, um, too ambitious, too many goals, and then decided to move on. In 2008, I formally registered my company, BNC Technology. We were grateful enough that year to to have CEDA come to South Africa. It was on a tiny scale, but um, what was fantastic was Rich Green came and I met him and he's the one then that changed my world. The biggest thing Rich taught me was like he showed me or showed us like, you know, what guys were doing well in the rest of the world, guys doing well in America, um, what the possibilities were of the industry um, and kind of the standard, what everyone was doing and where he was taking it. And that just lit a fire in me and said, okay, you know, I, I need to, this is what I want. Because at that point I was at a crossroad where I was kind of thinking, is the industry going to give me what I want as a person and give me a, a, the business that I want, right? And um, when I saw, uh, met Rich, I'm like, okay, it, it can be done. So that's what happened. And then I did Cedia and then, um, did my courses, um, started with the cinema, basic cinema stuff, kind of grew from there. And then, um, yeah, one thing led to the next, Became eventually became a certified designer, uh, outreach instructor. I'm, I'm probably the only active one, I think, in South Africa, if I'm not mistaken. And then, yeah, CDA became my go-to. And it's not just a sales thing. You know, I tell everyone this as well. It's like it really formed the good foundation of where I wanted to go and helped me solidify my philosophy as a company. That became like our foundation of philosophy. And I always had an idea of where I wanted to go. And we were pretty strict in terms of following those 
processes or philosophies, if you want to call it that. Uh, we probably lost a lot of work because of it. But in hindsight, coming forward, uh, you know, years down the line, um, since 2008, obviously, um, the fruits are starting to, to fall. So, you know, we've planted the seeds and it came through and that was it. And then, um, I, you know, that's how kind of BNC started. We started off uh, literally like everyone does under the staircase with a laptop and then outsourcing. And eventually then uh, at that stage, when I met Rich and we did whatever, I hired my first team, started like a, it was like a, a nine square meter room. That was my office with everything, trying to build a rack in there and trying to do our stock procurement. From there, we moved to another office at 40 squares, then 150, then 250. And now we own our own building. So, and it's not a big building, it's modest, 400 squares, but um, it's ours. And um, there's a long term view, obviously, of where we want to go. And that's it. You know, we're a small company. We don't want to be massive. We might potentially grow, but the whole goal is to try to stay where we're at. And I think the, the reason for that is. You know, we, we know where we operate in the markets. We realize we don't want to be and we can't be everything to everyone. So we know where we want to operate. We, we don't do certain types of jobs. We don't do commercial. We don't do uh, corporate. Um, we focus on high-end residential. And you do projects not just in Joburg, but around South Africa and into other countries as well, I, I hear. Is that right? Yeah. So, you know, initially we started um, obviously trying to keep everything geographically as close as possible or within like a few, you know, hour or two driving distance for logistics purposes. Um, I think also it was a confidence level. Um, you know, to be honest with you, I'm sure everyone in the industry goes through a phase where, you know, you know, the systems aren't solid, aren't reliable and, you know, home automation and avian multirum is not the most stable thing if you don't do it right. So, so, you know, once we started getting things better and more stable and doing like we've got a philosophy of how we do things, we don't so not, not, it's not about cutting corners. We just we know what works and we stick to it. So we, we don't like exploring too much on this. You know, I'll can tell about that later. But um, so, yeah, so we currently do work in um, our province um, and then all and then nationally. So from us, we go Durban, um, uh, Bloom, Cape Town, PE, East London. We currently busy with a project in Zim. We finished one in Zambia last year. Um, and we've got multiples on the cards um, for Africa as well. So um, uh, Zambia, Botswana, Angola. So we, we quote in then they, their final phases of, of completing. But ideally, you know, we, we try to operate in our time zone. That's the goal. Um, and, internet, and one day internationally to be, to be global. I think that's the, the goal. But specific projects, you know, we, we won't do everything. It's not about being greedy. If someone approaches us, we'll consider it. But um, we know if something's too big or if it's, too small for us we've got our sweet spot sure so this project the arabian uh, which we're going to talk about today tell me tell me how that came about and the, the brief that the client gave you so that was actually a referral from an architect um which we had been um we started like um nurturing a relationship over quite a long time they've had previous companies before that they dealt with and when they approached us obviously they they like typical other solutions other uh, projects they they ran into a a wall. The previous contract, uh, I don't think was very ethical, number one, but uh, more than that, I think the, I think the big thing, it's not that he wasn't ethical, I think the big thing was that he wasn't um, matching the customer's expectations. So we got into the project very late. The, the house was a, it was an existing house that uh, was being renovated. So that in itself posed a, a challenge already. And we got there, everything was already cabled and pre-wired. Um, system was specced and they obviously started running into a lot of problems already at that phase which was quite surprising but um, their confidence levels dropped 
And then that contractor was doing an, one of the other director's houses um, and he couldn't finish the project. He was battling. So then they called us and they said, can we help? So what happened was that we started off on our home automation side first um, and um, the customer actually um, ran away from that previous contract and lost about 60,000 quid um, on the project because um, he knew his risk was too high um, because of the other stuff. And he said, okay, what would you do? He wants it reliable. He wants it solid. He wants a, not the best, but he wants a certain level. So we said, okay, great. And that's kind of how we got involved. Um, the Arabian from the, the cinema perspective wasn't on the cards at that point. So what happened was um, we started off in the multi-room. We did everything from the network cameras, audio visual, all the rest of that, that we normally do. And um, the customer came to our showroom. He saw the cinema. He was brought a big smile to his face and the family's face, but then never pushed the button on anything. And there wasn't a dedicated room in the home. Um, he's got young kids, very young family, and um, uh, we just couldn't get it right in terms of where we were going to put the cinema in the house. And mm. it, it went up to the pajama lounge, then it went down to another room in the house, then they canned it. Then there was a verbal agreement and then nothing came about of it. And there was a bit of a challenge in the project because there were contractors that, um, you know, at the end of the day, didn't finish the project. Um, the customer was given some very, very poor advice. And then it, it just went on pause. And then eventually one day we had a conversation and he phoned me and he said, look, Nick, um, I've got this TV room downstairs. Um, this is my vision for the space. So I said, okay, what do you want to do? And he said, well, um, when the kids, because the kids are young, he's got two pools there, massive pools. And he's like, um, when the kids are out in the pool, I want to watch uh, sports or whatever the case is, or have some pictures flipping on the background while I'd work and I can keep an eye on the kids. Um, and then when the kids are done, I want to transform the space into a cinema because... And I think that I'm not too sure what uh, triggered him. I think it was the video to our showroom. But then he said, can we create something? He knows it can't be as good as a cinema. So I said to him, no. So we had a conversation. I told him what is that we what we can, can't do. And he's like, okay, let's let's explore. So he had an interior designer already on the project, um, which unfortunately didn't finish the project. So that was a massive challenge for us. Norm normally we only do turnkey. So, you know, on my team, I've got an interior designer. Um and what we do is we get the mood of the home and then we we obviously marry what's in the in the space to the rest of the house. And then we pitch it to the interior designer as well as the the client because obviously we all, we all understand how important of materials and acoustics and functionality and performance are because as we know, interior designers, they're very happy to cancel speakers or cancel surrounds or move them to different locations and things like that. So um what we what we said was, can we do a concept um, for them? Because they were worried about all the speakers. They're like, no, we're not going to have that many speakers in that space. So, um, so we're like, okay. And um, we pr presented a very rough concept, and they said, okay, great. Then the challenge was though that the interior designer wanted to run with it. So we're like, okay. So we kind of allowed it, and we did the technical first, um, and then we kind of ran with the project from there. I mean, how typical is this project of the type of work that you do? Are you, are you specialist in cinema rooms or media rooms or, or are they typically just part of integrated home projects that you do? So we do a little bit of surround sound in that, but very rarely. You know, if the customer wants, um, call it like a TV room or something like that, I kind of don't even classify it as really as anything. Um, to be honest, I've got a, I think, you know, everyone in the industry has got a different opinion of how they sell and what they do and what they love, right? And then we kind of enforce our philosophy or our ideas on our customer. Um, obviously, we listen to our customer and try to give them what they want. But, you know, my opinion at times, if a customer is going to put a cinema in or a media room in, then every other room in the house, we very rarely do surround sound. So what we do is just really good stereo. So 2.1 channels, whatever the case is. And then when we do cinema, we only do 
like what I call performance guaranteed cinema. So what I mean by that is that, you know, we don't like doing anything if it doesn't hit the right amount of SPL, right amount of dBs or the right level of brightness. Because what we found is that all you're doing is selling your customer equipment. Um, and there's no doubt that, you know, um, if I to, okay, in Rand Value saying, if you had to sell a 20,000 pound or, or 40,000 pound system, whatever the case is, that it sounds good and the picture's okay and whatever. But if it doesn't hit the requirements that Cedia has given you as a guideline, we've realized that it's a very different experience for a customer. So we've always focused on giving the customer the right amount of dBs at the listening position and the right brightness, the right screen size, the right everything. And what we found, Jeff, is that that is completely transformed our business because what I've learned is that from when I started in 2008 is that those customers are no longer my customers anymore. You know, because I, I gave them a good product. I gave them a good service. I, I did a good installation. Um, yes, we've probably gotten better over the years. But what I found is that they're not my customer anymore because I didn't do anything special. I didn't do anything different. You know, they just bought from me because they bought from me. And, uh, you know, um, and there's a lot of guys in the industry now that do a very good job in terms of just putting kit in. They're quick, they're easy, they're effective and efficient. Um, and to be honest, you know, why would a customer come to me if it's, you know, there's a lot of guys or competitors in my space where they actually, when I say better and faster and quicker because they just put equipment in, they're in, out and they're done, right? Um, mm. You have to add value. So what we realized that we, so now, now in our market, we only do turnkey. So we do interiors, the acoustics, we do the design work. Um, and then we do the tech and we only start at a certain price point if it can deliver the amount of SPL and, and brightness and things like that. And then we do cinema and or media rooms or what we call performance space. So if the customer wants like a, a whiskey lounge or cigar lounge or something like that um, with good stereo, we'll do both because then we'll do the acoustics and everything with it. Because, you know, yes, there's lots of room corrections and lots of software that can calibrate and do whatever. But as we know, the small, subtle changes on acoustics and interiors make a massive difference. And, you know, like I've seen some really good projects um, from our competition where the technology is decent. OK, um, maybe not the best, but the aesthetics of the room are horrific or the function that you know, I just got off a call now on a video call from a customer that's three hours from here. Um, and, you know, she's upset. They want to pull, they're redoing the whole room. And I said, what do you want to do? Do you want to just upgrade this, upgrade that? And they said, no, no, they want to throw everything out because the room doesn't do what they want. And I asked them the questions and the questions were, you know, or their reasons are like, it's not comfortable. It's not luxurious. It doesn't feel like I want to be there. Um, you know, it's not comfortable and, and the performance is horrible. And there's too much light. There's too much this, there's too much that. So what I realized mm -hmm. that everything, as we all know, everything impacts the performance and the experience. So if you go put in Meridian Audio or Steinway or Wisdom, whatever you put in, right? Um, if the room is horrible and the aesthetics are not there or it's not comfortable, the air cons are not right, the couch is not comfortable, or it's a couch instead of a recliner, or if it's a recliner instead of a couch, the customer will never use the room. And, and I, I've been to so many rooms where, the customer might have decent equipment or decent interiors, but there's always something missing. So I believe if the customer doesn't like tick all the boxes, that's when they don't use the room. You know, it doesn't mean that it has to be my way. It just means that it must be what the customer wants. You know, if it mm. needs to be a child-friendly room, it must be child-friendly. If it needs to be practical, it must be practical. So I'm the kind of guy that I'll listen to, when I listen to music, I'll have a whiskey or a coffee or whatever, but I want it there in the room. So if I don't have that, that irritates me. It, it, it highlights what we do. You know, I had a customer where, six years after we did the installation uh he spent the customer spent a lot of money spent about sure about four hundred thousand pounds with us and um when i went back i saw the sun and i said to me hey, how's the cinema how's it going and he's like oh it's okay i don't really use it and i'm like what are you talking about this thing's amazing 
And I said to him, why? And he says, no, Nick, it's such a, it's, it's difficult. He says, like, when I go play PlayStation there, you know, there's nothing there for my sweets and my popcorn and my drinks and my this and my that. It's far from the house. It's not convenient. Um, I don't like the chairs. It's uncomfortable because I'm with my mates. You know, we are, he says, we'd rather play PlayStation on the couch upstairs. And I was like, wow, that was such a good thing, you know? So I realized that you've got to design the space for the people. At that point, why we got that one wrong was because the customer didn't tell me that the cinema was for his son. You know, at that stage, the customer was living at home alone. The, the son was at boarding mm -hmm. school, but he didn't tell me the son was coming back. <laughs> so we started realizing that the interiors was, were as critical as the, as the um, uh, what do you call it, uh, the tech. So yeah, yeah, that's how, so we've always done that. Is that a big enough market to sustain your business and, and help you grow in South Africa? So Jeff, like, you know, I think a lot of the guys might get scared and say, no, it's not in that. Um, I definitely see ourselves as a little bit of a pioneer in that space in this African market. Um there have been companies in the past that have done it, um, that are still do a very good job. Um, and I'd say maybe before we started doing it, I'd say we only really had one comp competitor that kind of did interiors. Um, and they did their own um, their own turnkey. They've been doing it for a long time. They've been around quite a bit longer than us. Uh, very good at what they do. Uh, um, but like I always say, um, everyone's got different taste. You know, mm. um, at the end of the day, you, my opinion is that you take a piece of meat, um, put on, you know, put on a barbecue, salt, pepper, uh, olive oil, butter, whatever the way you do it. But the end result is different. So we're all different chefs. And that's the thing that I started realizing is that customers like systems and flavor and philosophies from different companies. So what I mean by that is that there's definitely market or scope for people to um, give their touch. You know, I might mm. think that, that that competitor of mine, these cinemas are disgusting, but I know people that absolutely love them. And my, I've got customers that have used them before and go, they love their work. So I think that the market's there. I think that, you know, when we did it, um, what do you call it? Um, customers slowly started. It took a long time. Don't get me wrong. It took, it took us about six years to get it right. And also more importantly for us to find our um, way of quoting and balance and budgets and how we sold it and what we did. But the market's definitely there. And what I found, the market's become... Um, like now in the last two years, um, a lot of people have kind of jumped on and, and are offering more turnkey because they're starting to see the value. I don't believe you have to do it internally. I just believe that you must partner with an interior designer. I can absolutely see on a project like this where you've got contractors leaving the job, you know, going bankrupt, whatever, being kicked out or designers changing or whatever, having that element of control within your own business, it, it actually makes you feel a lot more comfortable about dealing with those sorts of issues right yeah correct so i mean one of the things that we've like you know this project taught us a lot um i've got to say we lost quite a bit of money um on the interior side because um we kind of wanted to get the project finished so our scope was we did the um the concept and then we gave advice on the acoustics and some of the interior stuff um and because we hit a lot of the speakers in the ceiling we did the acoustic ceiling right and um the, the, but then the interior designer wants to handle one portion of the project, another portion. And eventually we started saying, listen here, can we just take it over? We'll do it because we need to finish the job because number one, we wanted to submit for awards. And number two, the customer was getting frustrated. I mean, this project took about three years to complete and it was a, a, a renovation. So yes, there was a lockdown and things in between, uh, which were very challenging. But then the interior project went to three different designers. So uh, we realized that taking control is way easier from a, a customer standpoint and our standpoint because then decisions can be made um and also made for the right reason you know so um i think it's i always believe it's a push-pull i don't believe it's um all the technology side or all the interior side but i think that if you can get an interior designer that um 
sees your philosophy or, or respects you a bit, you know, uh, for what you do and you respect them as well, um, then you get a win-win. You know, it's important for it to be a win-win. It can't just be one-sided. One thing that's clear to me about looking at this project is if I could pick one material that's the enemy of your work, it's glass. Well, first of all, I think that, you know, as a perception in the industry, we always get scared of things. And then in the past, I'll be honest, I've also lost a lot of projects because I'm like, oh, no, this room's not going to work. And I was kind of too scared to to deal with it, I'll be honest. But then sometimes you realize that from experience that some product actually likes different materials and surfaces. Um, I'm not going to mention names, but the point is that like, you know, we found that sometimes we we put products in certain uh, environments and we're like, wow, it sounds better in this environment or it sounds worse, you know. Um, and there's some very, very high end products that we put in and we're like, this is not great. So from experience and then a bit of tried and test, you know, testing, a bit of R&D in your own workshop or your own house, um, we realized that um, certain things, what do you call it, um, sound good or don't. And then we also realized that there has to be a compromise. So unfortunately, we we obviously wanted to try spec of blinds. Um, the blind company did put some um, a pleated blind in there. So it's a a dual layer system like a honeycomb vibe which definitely helped on the on the high end side um and not as much as we wanted to but that was there um on the acoustic side we we treated the roof because that was the only surface we could really treat so we put an acoustic transparent ceiling in we put in um absorptive material in specific places in, uh, on the concrete ceiling we decoupled the speakers and off the off the slab um, and then we just gave the interior designer advice in terms of the material usage in that, in terms of the space. So from the couches, cushions and rugs and that we did what we can to this, to the um, surfaces we could control and then try to put little pieces throughout the space just to soften it a bit. So, um, and then obviously um, calibration, you know, so at the end of the day, just calibrating it and getting it where, you know, I think sometimes as an industry we get too um absorbed and focused and on the like the being too technically like like perfect and anal if you want to call it that so what i mean is that once we calibrated we then just use our own discretion it's like a chef you know taste it and say well how do you feel what does it sound like and what do you what do you need from it so then um that's kind of i think where we we tweaked it because our first after our first calibration there were a lot of changes after that um we spent another few days there going back and forth with my team you know kind of making it our feeling you know giving it our feeling and touch which i think is important um and i've learned that over the time with the industry as well you know uh, attending lectures with uh, top guys in the industry and that um, um the one time i remember um, someone telling me, Nick, but the guy's like, Nick, but that's what you're doing is it's opposite to what I'm doing, but it makes total sense. And the logic makes sense. And he says, if it works, it works, you know? So, yeah. So that's kind of what we did. We didn't have as much play as we'd like to. The acoustic ceiling, I think was the, was a big factor. And, and I'll be honest with you. It's the second time we've done it. We never thought it would be as impactful in the space, um, but mm -hmm. it really did. It really, really, really did. Uh, it was, um, uh, quite a significant change you know we we did a bit of um testing prior to that um in the room to see how the room reacted um and uh changed it quite a bit and talk to me about the the technology that you have got in the room you've got speakers you've got a big screen talk, talk to me about what what you put in so it's a 712 um configuration um we've got speakers decoupled off the ceiling everything's in ceiling unfortunately the lcrs are from the front um below a tv screen um that was 65 inch screen the projector or the screen size, I'll have to, I'll have to confirm that. So I didn't know that offhand, that, uh, that I must okay. check. Um, but we've got a motorized screen popping out, in, a, a transparent screen popping in front of it um, from Screen Innovation. Um, and that was obviously quite a, a, a um, 
you know, quite an instrumental part of the functionality because obviously we wanted to keep the soundstage in front. We didn't want it uh, from the ceiling. Um, so that was quite a big thing. Subwoofers also mounted into the ceiling, on, on the ceiling, sorry, uh, decoupled off the slab. Um, that was probably the trickiest part um, because um, we didn't have any position in, in the space, in the room. The customer wanted it discreet and, and unique, uh, what do you call it, and clean. We got a Barker projector in the back. It was a braggy. And then we um, got a DT screen that, uh, not DT screen, um, screen sorry, um, a mirror lift. Um, that allows us to hide the projector in the roof. That was a, another instrumental part, I think, because um, aesthetically we all get tied down by the, you know, the Motros projector lift and the pole and hiding them away. And I think there's so many other products in the market. And I think sometimes we're just too scared to recommend what's available. And the thing is, you know, customers, what I realized as well is that um, sometimes they have more money than we think, number one, but it's not about that. I think that once they understand the design elements and the fact that it's going to be hidden and unique and it's discreet, they go, wow, you know, from a design perspective, I'd love that. That's a dream. We've got an audio control processor in there. We've got uh, acoustic speakers throughout. So we wanted something with a high sensitivity that can really um, give us a bit of a punch and then controlling everything with control four. Lighting as well. You obviously got blinds there. Are they automated too? How, how does the, the uh, environmental control work in there? So we've got um, control for panelized uh, throughout the home. And um, that was obviously part of the automation there when we started. So control four was the control system. And then on the blind integration, it's a Somfy motor. So we've got integration through that. So it definitely works very well for the customer that's integrated into this, um, the C4 keypad, as well as the remote control and touch panel. Um, and then the obviously lighting control throughout the space as well. The having the the TV screen, the 75 inch screen and the, the drop down for movie viewing kind of helps I guess we they can watch the TV in bright days. If it's a nice sunny day outside, all the kids are in the pool, he can still watch TV. But when there's movie night, that's when you you, you bring down the screen and, and have some family time. Yeah, correct. 100%. Uh, you know, like we, sometimes you, you feel like oh, it's an overkill or it's not really going to work and whatever. But when you see it, you know, in South Africa, there's a lot of sun. Um, and also, it, it's not just that there's sun. Like the weather's pretty mild in winter even so even during a winter day they might not necessarily have the doors open but they want the blinds up and when you see it in practice you, you kind of say okay hold on you know do i have does a customer really have to spend all that money on a high bright uh, brightness anti-lumen projector so you know that definitely made a, a big difference and then there was yeah there's two zone outputs on that um a, a second hdmi out on that uh, audio control amp so yeah that's what we did and it works very very well it's very functional for the customer um makes his life easy and practical for the kids as well. And by decoupling the speakers, how does that help uh, minimize the vibration that you get from the speakers? Presumably you've got people living above that room, right? Yeah. So the main bedroom was above upstairs. And um, part of the conversation with the customer, you know, in, in our discovery phase, when we asked them a lot of questions was like, why do they want the room? Why are we here? When, when are they going to use it? So he's a CEO of a very big company, um, works very hard. Family time is very important for him. Um, so he's actually quite a, um, he goes to bed quite early, um, but wakes up early. But when he does watch, um, he wanted to kind of be there the whole time throughout the night almost. And um, so those, those decouplers, it's basically like it mounts onto the slab and it almost like suspends it or kind of lets it float in midair, if you want to call it that. And that we found definitely helped. You know, when my team came to me, because I... You know, I'd heard the idea from one of the CD conversations in the past at uh, in the States when I'd when I'd gone to one of the courses. Um, and I told them about it. And when my guys came back to me, I looked at it and I was like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. But uh, it definitely there was a massive difference um, 
um, um, in that in performance in the sense that you know the customer didn't complain like the wife is so sensitive where we had to take off all the you know the um, backlighting on all the keypads and things like that when she sleeps because between the sound and visually anything that's um, you know stimulates so she she hates so we didn't get any complaints and the customer hasn't complained so you know in in, in practice it works so we're happy with that and how easy is it going to be to access those speakers so what we did yeah so i'll tell you a bit of a horror story <laughs> <laughs> I should be honest as well with this as well, I guess. So we, we, when we built the ceiling, um, so the ceiling is made up of multiple panels um, that are, think of it like as a frame, obviously acoustically wrapped. Um, we put all the um, speakers that in the ceiling. We've got conduits to the cable, um, to the speakers. So if I have to re-pull a cable, that's quite easy. Uh, we don't just free run cable. So even if it's an easily accessible room, we still conduit it um, and make sure that I can re-pull a cable at any point in time. Um, so the whole ceiling is removable, and 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 we when we made a bit of a mistake. No, we didn't make a mistake in the beginning. We just, you know, the whole child scenario is, is quite unique in the sense that how we built it was that. Um, uh, well, initially we just built a structure. I'll tell you what we did afterwards. But the one day we got to site, and uh, two of the uh, three of the panels had fallen out off the roof. And obviously, the customer having young children, there was a massive safety concern and saying, if this happens, blah, blah, blah. And in South Africa, we're not as strict as you guys in, in America but in terms of lawsuits, but the customer still would have sued us if we had hurt anybody in that. But then what we actually had to do is we over-engineered it. So what we did was we had a substructure that um, was mounted to the slab. And then the panels basically like had a clipping system that would like hook hook into each other so from the one side of the room to the next you have to hook them in one by one and then they've got magnets um extra strong magnets that then also magnetize that as well so there's a, a, a magnet system plus a physical clicking system as well um and that definitely you know we would then put the system through its paces and actually rattle it because how we think the ceiling fell was the kids were playing soccer in the room with a ball you've got to understand your customer so when the customer says child friendly it's not just about soft materials and that you got to make it like resistant to kids being kids you know yeah so, robust right <laughs> so and we learned that from a design perspective because you know we, we've done color changing walls before with like some very soft film and that um, and my one customer also told us to change that because the kids were playing ball and hitting the ball or falling into the wall. So, yeah. So, so all we did really was um, we over-engineered it um, with our cabinet maker and um, and then got the customer to sign it off. So, yeah, they were happy. One thing that also I find curious about this room is there must be, you've got quite a lot of heat in this room. So you've got sunlight coming in from outside. You've got the, you know, high brightness screens are throwing out some heat the projector is going to throw out some heat so temperature control must have been quite important too wasn't it so yeah so what we do in all of our cinemas now let's talk about this one um the the reckoning equipment was behind the the front wall so uh, although we put um, because it was an afterthought um, and also from a performance perspective we always like to keep the equipment in the room what we did was we did um a ca like kind of a false wall in front with uh, with the equipment racks and then what we did was we extracted um hot air um, from the equipment racks outside the room. We put an air conditioner inside the room to cool the, the racks down. The projection system, obviously the projector is going to overheat. Um, you know, sometimes a lot of equipment costs a lot of money. Being in South Africa, um, what do you call it? Uh, uh, freight, shipping, import duties. We pay a massive premium in South Africa for things. So a hash box from DT wasn't really in our, in our budget. And uh, we actually missed it, I'll be honest, in our proposal. 
Um, so what happened was that when we when we got to that point, we realized, oh, shucks, we're going to have a problem with noise from the projector and heat from the room. So what we did was we constructed our own um, hush box and then we put active ventilation in there with some super silent fans. We put the fans inside the tech room, extracted the heat out of the projector and pumped it um, out the room. And that active ventilation really helped the projector. So it runs very quietly, number one, um, just because of the heat um, and that helped there. And then we had... Um, uh, a ducted um, aircon system in the room as well. Um, we don't like seeing vents and grills, so we just got some linear diffusers and popped them up and try to keep it very, very discreet. So um, although the room obviously will, will cool down from an ambient room perspective, but in winter as well, the customer might get the room to 24, 4 degrees. So we still created our ventilation for our projector and our equipment as well in the tech room. And I think anyone who looks at the pictures of this project can say, wow, it does look amazing. So I urge anyone listening to check them out. Um, is that the thing you're most proud of, the, the marriage of technology and aesthetics that you've delivered in this project? Yeah, Jeff, definitely. You know, like I think that um, my journey through my career, um, you know, a lot of times as guys in the industry, we we do something like so very well, like, you know, and I'm sure a lot of guys in this listening to this might say, you know, like I've, I've handed over projects before and I'm like, this is our best work, our neatest installation, it's functional, it works, it performs, it was whatever. And then the customer doesn't have a smile you know um and you sit there going what the hell all this work blood sweat tears like it, it make it soul destroying right so you know when the room came together at the end um and it's beautiful and you know you do all the lighting scenes and the moods and you um do all the programming you kind of see the room first of all because i mean that's really the first interaction with uh, the system right is to create that mood so once that happened and then the single button control integration with the keypad and the you know the screens and the blind so obviously like we all do i assume we hit a button and the blinds close and the screen pops down mirror comes on goes to the right input that integration with that and then it being a beautiful room as well just tells the whole story you know like if you jump into a rolls royce and the interiors are horrific no matter what or a ferrari the interiors are horrific you won't enjoy that performance as much as you do is when you sit in that luxury and feel everything with you so like, yeah, so for me, the, the highlight was that balance, the, the balance of luxury and comfort. And, and then the performance, you know, one of the things that um, the customer said to me was when we handed over, the first words that came out of his mouth was, he's like, you're a shit salesman. And I was like, and I laughed at him and I said, like, what are you talking about? He says, how hard was it for you to sell me this room? This room's fucking amazing. And I said to him, I said to him, I said, you know, I'm not going to tell you his name, but he's like, I said to him, but are you mad? Do you know how hard you are? He says, and he joked and he says, no, Nick, thanks. And, and he, then obviously the customer satisfaction, the fact that I could make his wife happy on the interior side, make him, him happy from the performance perspective. The kids were thrilled because obviously the big sound, big picture, that was over the top. So I think for me that the, the, he was a very tough customer. So to make him happy was, um, and also a customer that's that's had multiple companies before, you know? Um, you know, so that, that was a big thing for us as well. Um, so that he, we brought a smile to his face, even though he had had previous experiences. And I think that's why he didn't also want a cinema because he just didn't have anything special before, you know? So I think the highlight for me was exactly that, Jeff. It was everything. It was just putting it all together and then all the hard work. And, you know, sometimes we overlook the uh, CDA. We over, sometimes we overlook the technical elements and say, no, this is not going to make a difference. This is not going to make a difference, you know? But when you, in that room, like I always say, if you could make a five to ten percent difference on twenty things, that's a massive improvement. You know, you can't. I mean, could you get two hundred percent improvement, one hundred percent improvement? You know, that's uh, negotiable. But at the end of the day, you know, like if you 
better equipment, better calculations, better calibration, better design, better interiors. And it's just still the small, subtle changes. You feel it at the end. And I think that was it. It was very well balanced for us. And definitely, we're proud of it. I think one thing that, uh, you know, the CDA journey has been quite tough with is that um, you submit for awards every single year, you know. And you're like, fuck, why am I not winning? Why am I not winning? And then when you do win, you realize, okay, maybe we should have done these things with other customers too, you know. Yeah. Uh, fantastic well, it's been brilliant listening to you nick thanks thanks so much and i urge everybody to go and check this out it was a 2021 cdo award winner uh best global media room and, and best media room in emea level two so uh the arabian terrific project terrific work thanks so much for talking to us nick my pleasure jeff thanks so much for your time are you developing IoT solutions? Get ready for tomorrow with Farnell, supporting your design journey from connecting smart sensors to the cloud to implementing AI. Find everything you need at Farnell.com. Enjoy this episode with Farnell, a global distributor of electronic products and solutions. Thanks so much, Nick, for talking us through this exceptional media room, a great project and a very deserving award winner. If you enjoyed this show, then please give us a review on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at Integrated HomePod, Twitter at Int HomePod, and Facebook and LinkedIn at the Integrated Home Podcast. The Integrated Home is brought to you with the support of AWE, Sony, distributed by Meridian, and Premier Farnell. We are a Wildwood production. The Integrated Home supports Together for Cinema. Together for Cinema is an AV industry movement that designs and installs cinema rooms in children's hospices across the UK. In these special places, children, their families, staff and volunteers are now enjoying fantastic movie experiences together. We want to build more rooms in more hospices for more children. To do that, we need your help. Visit togetherforcinema.co.uk and find out how you can be involved to help make short lives that little bit better.